Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to season two of Women in Weightlifting. This season, we will be focused on the 55 kilo class. Last, last season was the 59s. Now we're doing the 55s. And my new co-host for the 55s is national champion uh, Jessica Saxon. So Jessica, um, welcome to the show and thank you for being my co-host for the season. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for letting me be your co-host. That should be a lot of fun. Um, so I guess, you know, obviously as my co-host, you get to be the first interviewee for the, for the, um, for the season. Um, so I, I'll start where we literally start with everybody, which is how did you get into weightlifting? It's the typical story, I guess, of CrossFit turns weightlifter. So I CrossFit for maybe a year and a half, two years. And then I did a competition and Jim, my coach, saw me and was like, you should probably like just do weightlifting. <laughs> and I was like, that's cool with me because I hate the rower and I hate cardio. So let's try it. So I trained with him after the open one year for like two months. I did a local meet. I qualified for nationals at my first meet and it's been history ever since. So how, how long ago was that? When did you, when did you start doing CrossFit? Uh, 2014. So just you're 32. Yep. I'm 32. I'm so that would have been seven years ago. Yeah, about six, seven years ago, I've been, I think we're into my sixth year, so almost seven years, yeah. So, I mean, what, what got you into CrossFit? It was actually an ex-boyfriend who started CrossFit, loved it, and I was like, where are you spending all of your time? Like, what is this thing? And he was like, come do it. And I was like, okay. So I did a couple classes and I was like, wow, this is fun. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can imagine, but I mean, you as a 25 year old kind of strong athlete, um, yeah. would probably enjoy it. Did you, did you com compete in athletics in high school or college? In high school, I did. In college, I did not. In high school, I did competitive cheerleading, soccer, track, cross country, and then in college, the only athletic thing I did was run a marathon. Um, so it was fun to get back into like a sport, so to speak. Right. And then, I mean, I know this, but the audience doesn't. What do, what do you do professionally? I am a lawyer. <laughs> so, yeah, we got a, a, pair, a pair of attorneys doing the, doing the show this, this, uh, this season. How um, boring. I know. We're just terrible. <laughs> So, um, what, what type of law do you practice? So it's kind of changed over the years due to weightlifting. Um, after I graduated law school, I started, uh, as a law clerk for a criminal judge. And then out of that clerkship, I became an assistant prosecutor for a county in the state of New Jersey. And I was a criminal prosecutor. I focused mostly on juvenile, domestic violence, and drug court. Um, then I decided I wasn't making enough money, despite uh, loving my job there. I really did love that area of law. I took a promotion to the state. So now I work for the state of New Jersey. I'm a deputy attorney general there. And I've kind of moved sections a couple of times. My first section was 
basically prosecuting state employees for misconduct. And now- oh, booming business in New Jersey. Yeah, it was something. <laughs> and now I'm actually in like regulatory administrative law with a hint of criminal work. Uh, I work in the alcoholic beverage control where we regulate the entire industry of alcohol and our biggest cases consist of like fatalities where people overconsume and die from alcohol, whether that's getting hit by a bus was my most recent case or, you know, just in the hospital for po alcohol poisoning. So, that's so I mean, I like going after the, the people providing it or I mean, yeah, overconsumption and then all the parties involved. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's a highly regula regulated industry in the state, so. I mean, I, I've never I've never really thought at all about it, but I'm, I'm sure it probably yeah. is. It so is, what, yeah. where did you go to law school? I went to law school at Rutgers Camden in Jersey. So, and I, I actually did my first year of law school in Boston um, at uh, New England Law, and then I transferred to Rutgers. So. Did you, where did you do your undergrad? I did my undergrad at St. Anselm College in Manchester, New Hampshire. Um, but I'm originally from Tennessee. <laughs> Are you really? I am, yeah. So I've been all over the place. My, I'm a military brat. My dad was Army for 25 years. His whole career was military. So we were stationed at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, which is right outside of Clarksville, Tennessee. That's where I grew up for 23 years. My dad was special operations. So luckily, we didn't have to move around that much. Um, but my parents are originally from Boston, so they wanted me to go to school in the New England area. So okay. I, yeah, so I applied to a bunch of schools up in New England, and I went to St. A's is what we call it, and I just fell in love. They, uh, they hold the political debates there. Every oh, right, right, yeah. Yeah, so that's what kind of got me hooked. I majored in politics, um, so it, it was it was great. I love that school. Yeah, I've always wondered because you do have kind of an interesting accent. Um, yeah, I kind of I can turn it on. I can turn it off. <laughs> so yeah. if I'm pissed off or drunk, I'll turn it on. <laughs> but usually I try not to because everybody thinks you're an idiot if you have a southern accent. That's what I, I found. Okay, so you went to went to say went to Saint Andrew. Grew up military in in Tennessee, and you were did highly athletic. Now, do you come from like an athletic family or? So it's funny, my parents, so my dad played sports, baseball, football, um, but nothing like in college or anything. And my mom was actually a baton twirler. Go mom. <laughs> well, that's consistent with, the, with like the cheerleading theme, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but really, I think I get my athleticism from my uncle, who's my godfather. He was a competitive gymnast, and he also won, I, for, I don't even know what year, but he won silver in jujitsu in the Pan American Games. So, really? And, yeah, and he was a Navy SEAL. So, he's a. Uh, well, I mean, you said your dad was like Special Forces, wasn't he? Yep, yep. I mean, so, those guys are kind of um, badass. Yeah, I come from badasses. What can I say? Now, do you have siblings or no? Is it just you? I do. I have a sister, um, an older sister. She's like older by 18 months. And she actually played Division II soccer in okay. college. So, yeah. Is she an attorney too? Or is that restricted to just you? She's not. She's a forensic scientist. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's kind of cool. 
yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, she, worked, she worked for Tennessee Bureau of Investigators for a long time. Then she had kids and she couldn't, you know, keep up with being called out to crime scenes in the middle of the night. So now she works for St. Jude. Tell me about like, what, what is your, what does your training week look like these days? So these days it's a lot different. Um, I about 13 weeks ago had glute surgery. So right. yeah, I didn't get to compete in this past nationals because of it, sadly, but it's okay. I'm, uh, I'm 75% pain-free, I would say. So it was a good decision on my part. I was just sad that I couldn't lift. Um, so I'm just starting to build strength back up, starting to work out again, starting to squat again, to try to keep things moving. I did a a bodybuilding routine for the first time um, to try to keep some strength during my post-surgery recovery. So let's go back to like pre-surgery then. I mean, like, let's go, actually, let's go back to pre-injury. Okay. What, what, what was your, what was your training regimen looking like, like pre-injury? I mean, pre-injury and post-injury, it was pretty much the same because I just dealt with it. Because you ignored the injury and didn't get it made. Didn't and made it worse. And here we are. So. It's almost yeah. I injured myself in March of 2020 and I pushed through till nationals and this is the result of that. But um, my training schedule pre-injury, post-injury was six days a week, one session per day, about three to four hours. Uh, my schedule pre-COVID with being an attorney and not working from home was is pretty structured uh, it has to be you know I wake up at seven I go to work nine to five I leave work I drive an hour to Philly Barbell Club I live for three hours I'm home by 9 30 10 o'clock I eat dinner I go to bed and I repeat so there wasn't much time for error. not a lot of time for dilly dally no <laughs> no working from home though it's been great because I've had more flexibility with that kind of stuff so but yeah, six days a week, three, four hours a day is the normal course. Holy cow. Yeah. And so do you live in Jersey? Or do you live in Philly? I live in Jersey. I live in Pensacon. I uh, work in Trenton and I lift in Philly. Okay. Now for those of us who are geographically impaired. Yes. Um, is that a triangle? What is that? Pretty much. Yeah. So I leave, work takes me about an hour in traffic. And then from work, I go to Philly, which takes me about an hour. And then it's 20 minutes to my house from Philly Barbell Club. Oh, so working from home, yeah, it's been just a dream. Oh my gosh, it's been so, so lovely. I, uh, I hate driving. I'm also a terrible, terrible driver. I've totaled three cars in my life. <laughs> so I hate driving. <laughs> sure, I can imagine so. I hate driving, but the commute is terrible. I mean, driving to Trenton with everybody else that works for the state, the commute is just awful. So I was so happy not to have to do that every day. And I never realized like how much my body needed sleep. I know that sounds silly to say because, you know, you should be sleeping seven to nine hours a night, but I never really had the luxury of doing it because I, my schedule just didn't allow for it. And during quarantine, I was able to actually sleep seven to nine hours a night. And I'm like, wow, this is the stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, God, if you had not been injured in March of 2020, last year would have just been phenomenal for you. I know. It you really would have finally hit 110. I know, Mark. 
So uh, for our listeners, I, I, I've, I've known Jess for uh, well, uh, just over two years. Years, yeah. And we've been, she's been pushing the 110 kilo clean and jerk and has had it overhead Ugh. Um, and, and just cannot complete that lift. So that's one of the, you know, we talk about weightlifting goals. That is, that is one of the Jess Saxon goals that I already knew about. One um, but I mean, it's so close. So close at American Open Finals. Yeah. I don't even know what year. Yeah, I think it was 19. 2019, yeah. Because it was one we did live. Right. Last yeah, one. I, I, remember, I remember watching it. Yep. You were standing there in my video. I see I, you. Yeah. I'm standing <laughs> yeah. there with it. That look of disappointment on my face as you as the wah, comes crashing down. <laughs> right. wah, wah. <laughs> um, all right. So I, I mean, what is what is your what is your favorite moment from competition? Oh, it's so hard. Um, I think my favorite moment was actually Vegas 2018, and I'm not sure what even series that was. Three. Uh, so yeah, I think that was my best competition. Did you win that? I didn't win that. I think I got third in that to Jordan and Caitlin Hogan, maybe. Um, but that was the first competition where I felt like I was like a force that was like making right. them do things. Like usually I'm a solid third or a solid fourth, but that was the first time where I was like, in it and we were pushing numbers i hit 85 in the snatch that competition but got called for a press out another want want like always and then i opened at 104 and then i missed 108 two times and you were actually announcing that one because my videos of 108 you're like come on jess and mark's disappointed again <laughs> yeah, well, in 2018, though, I, I didn't have the relationship with you. You didn't know me, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I'm trying to remember what. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what competition it was. I'm thinking of it, but the 55s were just it was a train wreck. Um, but it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't that one. That one was was actually good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, you because what's what's your best comp? What's your co best competition? Clean. Clean. One oh seven. One oh seven. Yeah. What's your best snatch? I think in competition 82. So I'm just looking. We've got the picture that we're using for the. Uh, yeah, that's. The cover art the is actually the one you got called for a press out on. Yep. <laughs> it looks good, doesn't it? Dude, right? I mean, <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I, I'm going to guess that it, that was not the part of the lift where they called the press out. <laughs> no, right in the catch. So. Yep. That, I mean, that's, that's where it usually happens. So, oh, back to, back to your training regimen. I mean, so you mentioned you're in the, in the gym three to four hours a day. How much is that as on the bar? How much of that is mobility? How much of it is just, you know, accessory work? What do you, what does a workout look like for you? Um, I mean, I come in, I warm up. If I'm in the office, that's probably like me warming up is probably like the first time I squatted all day. So yeah. it's not really great for, you know, getting right into stuff. So I probably warm up for like 20 minutes and then I ease into snatches. There's usually always snatch, clean and jerk, some combination or just snatch and jerk and then accessory. Uh, there's been times when I squat four days a week. There's been times when I squat two days a week. So um, it's mostly the lifts. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, because you, I mean, you trained train at Philadelphia Barbell with Jim Rudder. By the way, congrats on your um, second place uh, women's team performance at national championships. That was pretty phenomenal. Yeah. I and mean, you guys have a lot of really talented athletes in that gym. So, yeah, we're coming up. Yeah. Well, I mean, Jim's a good coach. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. How much do you back squat? What's your best? What's your back squat BR? My back squat is 156. Damn, really? Yeah. Pretty good, man. <laughs> what? I mean, I, I found in, in interviewing a number of athletes now that the the range on back squat PRs and front squat PRs is pretty big. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's some of you that can just, like, just move a freight train with, with your legs. I know. Um, Only I could jerk it. Yeah, well, you know, it's that, that was the problem that Christy Brewer was talking about, too. She's like, yep. if I can get it on my chest, I can stand it up. But right. I got to be able to jerk the damn thing once I get it up. Yeah, we got to, like, push and pray on the jerk part. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yes. That seems, to be, that, that seems to be a recurring theme with a lot of people with massive leg strength. They can clean anything, but it's... I do it's, have to say, over the probably the last two years, Jim and I have really worked on the jerk, and it's gotten a lot better, so... That's how I even touched 110. So it's a work in progress, but that's the beauty of weightlifting, right? It's there's always something. Well, and I mean, 110 is a, I mean, that's a double body weight clean and jerk, which, yeah. you know, when we talk about like benchmarks in weightlifting, um, you know, double body weight prior to a few years ago was considered a, a huge feat of strength. It's right. just that now there's a bunch of people that have done it. Done it. Um, but Still, I mean, in the in the fifty fives, there's I'll have to go. I'll, I'll have to go track track it down. But there's only going to be. I think there's three. only. I think it's only Jordan, because yeah. I don't think Caitlin Hogan ever did it, and Courtney Bachelor didn't do it. Yeah, I think you. I think you may be right. Yeah, I think it's only Jordan. So yeah, if you can do a one ten clean and jerk, mm -hmm. that, a, that is a pretty spectacular feat of strength. I mean, you know, I was super impressed because two of the fifty nines have done it. Kelly Wilde has done it, and Taylor Turner has done it. Yep. Um, yep. And so. Yeah, it's 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 pretty wild to see that much, you know, to see you as a little tiny person throwing, you know, 110 kilos over your head. Right. So yeah, one day. It, well, yeah, I mean, so what's the what's the prognosis? When are you when are you coming back? I don't really know yet. I don't know. I don't know what I'm gonna do yet. Um, we're still kind of taking it day by day. Um, that's why, like, I really I came back and I hit my first day of training after. I got cleared. I hit 75.95. So I've maintained a good amount of strength, but yeah. oh, squats feel awful. So um, heavy or painful? Heavy, heavy, heavy. Okay. Yeah. So heavy I can live with, painful I can't. Yeah, no, the pain is much better. Um, so I'm happy about that. I think that proves that I made the right decision, but uh it's day by day, you know, if I feel good enough to lift, I'll lift. If I just want to squat, I'll squat. We're just kind of taking it slow, taking it easy, trying to be smart. So. Yeah. I mean, you're, cause you're yeah, 32, you know, you're, you're not going to recover like you did 10 years ago. Right. Yeah. So yep. it's, it's, you do have to be a little more careful. Your body's a little more delicate. Yeah. What is your, what is your like favorite lift? Mm. clean duh, duh. <laughs> let me go 
Your least favorite lift would be jerks? Uh, I don't know, because I really do love the clean and jerk more so than the snatch. I feel like the snatch is so touchy. Like some days I can be like, oh, I've mastered this snatch. And then the next day I come in and I'm like, I can't even snatch 65 kilos. I don't know what happened. So, um, but that makes it fun for me. I really enjoy that aspect of it, that it's like ever-changing based on how you feel, how you're moving that day, and there's always improvements to be made, so. So, I mean, kind of on that note, in terms of like, how do you get, how do you keep yourself mentally in the right headspace to be like, okay, I'm having a terrible snatch day. Mm-hmm. This is my program. I got to do, you know, I got to get through this. How do, you, how do you just keep yourself in the game? Um, I think it's all about, um, I have a really good work ethic. Uh, Clearly. <laughs> and I just, that's what I set out to do, right? Like I, my day is not complete until I have worked eight hours and I have done my uh, lifting for the day. So I go in the gym and I take it kind of day by day too, because some days aren't going to go well. Like I know if I'm in trial yeah. on a given day, like Jim and I know, like, I'm probably not going to be snatching so good or cleaning jerking so good. So we'll go on the, the lighter side of things and just focus on a couple cues, a couple of technique uh, changes. And then other days I'll feel really good and we'll go bigger, go home. I mean, I think the, I think one of the most important things is to listen to your body. So like, I know if I had a stressful day at work or like traffic was extra bad and my back hurts because I have a disc herniation too, the injuries never end. Um, You know, I'm probably not going to be moving so well that day and you just have to acknowledge it and accept it and, you know, do the best you can with what you got. So, yeah. Yeah. I certainly get the trial piece of it. I mean, if, when I'm in trial, everything sucks. Yeah. Because you're, 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 you just can't get your head out of the trial for 10 minutes yeah. to do anything else. So yeah. it's hard to focus and be present in lifts when I'm thinking about, you know, questioning the next witness tomorrow or whatever it is. You know, I'm like, no, I'm thinking about, oh, in the middle of my snatch, like, I did I, I got to review that piece of evidence. Like, I missed whatever. So that'd be like, it dawns on you what evidentiary objection you should have made. Right. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <sighs> Just makes you want to kill somebody. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, the, that I, I, I understand. I get that. I totally understand. Um, so I, one of the things that I actually love to hear about um, is mindset and mindset going on to the platform. So in that minute before you take the, you know, the 110 at the American Open Finals in 2021 um, in Denver, um, what what is going through your head? Mm-hmm. How do you how do you how do you prep for that moment? I think it's been ingrained in all your training, right? Like as we come into a competition phase, I treat every day at the gym as if it's a it's the competition, and I just I get really focused on the lift and what I'm doing. I play a highlight reel in my head of all the big attempts that I've made. Uh, that cycle. Um, I played my squats in my head because my squats are really strong and I know that I'm strong enough to make the lifts. I focus on the cues Jim wants me to focus on and that's really it. I don't think about anything else or what anybody else is doing. I don't even listen to music in the back. I'm all 
focus on what I'm doing before me, the lifts ahead of me. And I'm really just focused on my cues. I hit like a turn in my weightlifting career when I stopped getting so emotional about things. Um, you know, you miss a lift or you get red lighted um, and you get so upset and angry and it takes the focus off of the competition and what you need to do next to come back from that. And I mean, it's really simple, right? You've been doing this for however many years and you've made however many attempts you have in the snatch and the clean and jerk. And all you have to do is make a technical correction to the lift and you make it the next one. But if you're so wrapped up in being upset or being mad, angry, you know, you're not gonna be able to focus your attention where it needs to go. So I'm really just zoned in. Yeah, that's in the back. You hit on a lot of really interesting pieces in there. And I mean, one of those is how do you come back from a missed lift? Mm -hmm. And you're right. I mean, I, and I saw it this weekend, you know, yeah. a lot of athletes, they missed that opening attempt and it, it is living in their head at that point in time. I mean, they can't, they can't come back. Yeah. And, but you know, we saw, I saw a number of people miss their opening two attempts mm -hmm. and I'm like, that's, that's rough. But yeah. they came back and drilled it. And you're like, good for you. For you. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, it takes a different kind of athlete to be able to do that, um, to come back from a mislift. But yeah, you have to, right? You have to train your mind and body to trust yourself and trust your training enough to be able to do that. I always like to play a game pre-competition too, where like two weeks out of competition, I'll be imagining uh, I'll be kind of catastrophizing in my own head about every single thing that could go wrong. I missed my first attempt. I missed my second attempt. I got to make my third attempt or I bomb out in the snatches. How am I going to come back in the clean and jerk or my weight cut was really terrible. How am I going to move forward? Like I just imagine every little thing that could go wrong so that I feel like when I'm there and stuff does go wrong, I'm already prepared for it. So that's two weeks out. And then the, the final week out of competition, I'm zoned in on everything going right. I'm visualizing my lifts. I'm going six for six. My weight cut went swimmingly. I feel good. I feel nourished. I feel reconstituted. I'm strong. I'm powerful. Uh, so that's kind of how I prepare. Well, that, I mean, that, that, is a, that is phenomenal, actually, in terms of like, getting into the right headspace. So you're like, all right, well, I'm going to, we're going to deal with everything going wrong. And I'm going to put that out on my head. And now we're going to deal with every, how everything's actually going to go. Right. This is what I'm mentally prepared for. I've, I've already talked about the catastrophes. I don't need to think about that anymore. Yeah. So that, that's really an interesting way to approach the whole, the whole process. Now, yeah, it works for me. That's what matters, right? And that's kind of how I prepare for trial too. I mean, you have to think about every little thing that goes wrong. So it kind of just, that's how my brain works. So that's how I work it into weightlifting too. Yeah, I mean, weightlifting is a metaphor for life and it's certainly a medical <laughs> metaphor for the practice of law. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's been all this time for just a brief moment in the sun. Yeah, six minutes, um, same. Oh yeah, what, what do you walk around at in terms of like weight? Ah! <laughs> I walk around 59-ish, 60-ish. And cut all the way down to 55? Yes, sir. Sure do. It's miserable. <laughs> Dude, five kilos on my frame sucks. I can't imagine five kilos on yours. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I used to cut to 53 and it was uh, obviously oh God, one really? uh, and I didn't have as much muscle mass, but now, man, I just, you know, two days out of competition, I'm 58 kilos. So you're just water cutting that last three kilos off? No, I'm saying after competition. Oh, oh, after I, competition. I jump, I jumped to 58 kilos and that's just where I walk. I mean, I, I'm a nutrition coach. I did my own nutrition for the first time for nationals 2020 where I won. And that was the first time I didn't have to sauna. So I was really proud of that. If I'm doing two competitions a year, I'm basically in a weight cut for six months because I start three months out and I got down to about 57, 56. And then I, I water cut the rest. So, I, I mean, I'm going to ask this question because Christy asked somebody else this question. Have you ever thought about maybe not gaining as much in between? Yeah, like I said, I wish I could, but that's kind of like two days after nationals, yeah. I was 58. So like, as soon as I eat, that's just my set point. That's where my body likes to sit. So it's so not like you're going out and eating just a bunch of fries and stuff. I mean, that's just where your body sits. Nope, that's just where my body sits. If I eat, if I eat carbs again, that's where it sits. So I just embrace it and I know that I embrace the suck. That's what I say. So, I mean, how, um, you know, when you rehydrate after weighing in, have you ever gone back and weighed to see how much you actually weigh? I haven't. I haven't had time because I'm usually sawning to the last minute and then weighing in. And then I just want to douse myself in water. I'm so thirsty. So, no, I haven't ever done that. I would, yeah, I would just be really interested to see, like, if you actually are cutting a kilo and a half, two kilos of water in just the last 12 hours. Yeah. Um, Cause that's really, you think about it, it's not that much water I mean, right. to drink. I mean, to, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. to sweat it out, it's a lot, but to drink yeah. it back in, it's really not that much water. No, it's not. And that's the crappy part. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, that, I mean, that's, that's brutal. I mean, yeah, it's brutal. I mean, weight cuts are the most miserable part of the sport. I always say that it's two competitions, right? It's the weight cut and then it's the actual lifting part because you have to get through that. Um, but yeah, I've spent I've spent eight hours in and out of a sauna before to lose the weight. Oh my god, that's terrible. I would not there, recommend that, by the way, to anybody, but you know, I don't know. I've you've lifted as a 59 in a couple of like local meets. I think I don't think it's anything big. Yeah. But. I lifted at the Arnold in March 2020 as a 59. I mean, you ever thought about moving up to 59? I have. Um, obviously more competitive as a 55. Yeah, uh, yeah a lot more competitive as a 55. Yeah. I mean, I'm not hitting Taylor Turner's numbers. So um, maybe if I stayed at 59, I could get stronger. I don't know. Um, we talked about it, but we kind of just. No, and I mean, and you're, how, how tall are you? I'm five foot. Even as muscular as you are, it's hard to justify being a fifty-nine. A, a, a fifty-nine, if you can still make fifty-five. Yeah, and I, I'm sure there'll come a point where I can't make fifty-five. Like, thank God, fifty-three changed to fifty-five because yeah, I don't no think I could have done fifty-three anymore. Um, no, but, you're way too muscular for a fifty-three. Yeah, yeah. So I was was happy with that weight class change. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, that was. I mean, I'm sure a lot of the people who were sitting in that as light 58s yeah like 
Yeah, 55 fits really, really nicely. Yeah, and that competition where I hit my best competition at, in 2018 in Vegas, that was the first meet at 55. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yes, this is a good weight class for me. But then I think I gained more muscle mass and here we are. So here. <laughs> well, and I mean, I've seen pictures of you at, at like at 55 and I mean, you're, you're pretty ripped. Yeah, it's, I'm pretty lean once yeah. I get down there. So, I don't know how you get down to, well, you said when you were 53, you just didn't carry as much muscle mass, so. Yeah, it was, I was still so new to the sport, so I didn't really, hadn't developed that much. So are you, are you going to compete as a master or are you going to continue weightlifting? What's your, what's the, the long-term plan? Kind of depending I on how no you. Idea. I don't know yet. I haven't quite decided any of that yet. Um, I love weightlifting so much and it's been such a big part of my life for essentially my entire adult life, really. Right. Yeah. Everything college and law school. Um, so it's hard to imagine life without it, but I also, I don't like to do anything, not a hundred percent. So you know, a lot of people are like, why don't you just lift and be a 59? But I have a hard time making that okay in my brain if I'm not going to be the best 59. So um, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, in a couple more years, you can start competing as a master. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll you could join Bree in retirement for the 30 seconds she was retired. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to uh, Bree Russo, who was, came back from retirement. Uh -huh. and, uh, and almost medaled at the uh, at the national championships this past weekend. Yeah, that's um, girl. Jess's teammate, one of my one of my favorite lifters in the in uh, in the entire uh, USAW. So, uh, finish this sentence for me. You know you're a weightlifter when. Uh, you know you're a weightlifter when you have an alter ego. <laughs> because. <laughs> So when my friends all call me fun Jess, when I'm out of a weight cut and I can go out and I can do things, I can go out to dinner, I can oh go to parties, God. whatever I want to do. But then I always send them a text when I start my weight cut three months out and I'm like, fun Jess says goodbye. <laughs> and they know, don't text me, don't call me, don't eat around me, don't bring me food, don't even try oh my god that could be the funniest thing i've ever heard yeah they all know my family is has gotten better they're not as good as my friends at understanding but yeah yeah so, so yeah fun jess has to go die for six yep. months out of the year so you have this alter ego where yeah yeah i mean it's it's true though i mean all of you guys were cutting weight i mean you got to make weight yeah there's no other choice and really you have to it's so much easier to cut weight when you're in an environment that allows that. So, you know, not being, not going out to eat, not going to parties with friends, not, you know, putting yourself in situations makes it a lot easier. So I just choose to do that because that's what my aligns with my goals. And, you know, my, I have, I'm really, really lucky that I have friends and family that support me and a boyfriend that supports me even though sometimes he do be eating cereal around me in a weight cut and I have to scream at him. So now you do not get to impose your weight cut on your boyfriend. <laughs> when it gets bad, Mark, I impose it. <laughs> he knows. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to you know take up for him on this one and be like, 
you don't get to like control what he eats because you <laughs> have to go wait. You can be supportive, but that does I, mean he has to eliminate all carbs out I, of the house. <laughs> what's the what's the hardest thing about weightlifting for you? Um, I think the hardest part is the sacrifice. Um, and I don't mean just like food and weight cuts and stuff, because I think it extends into other parts of your life. Um, I know for myself, I've sacrificed in my career and I've had to sacrifice family time. Again, I live in Jersey. My family lives in Tennessee. If I'm cutting weight for American open finals, that means I don't get to go see them for Thanksgiving because again, I'm not going to put myself in a situation that will go against my goals. So I've had to sacrifice family time. I also, like I was explaining earlier, uh, my passion is criminal law, but I took the promotion to the state and chose a section that was not as um, heavy right. so that I had more time to devote to weightlifting. I mean, I still am a full-time attorney. I work nine to five, but you know, in criminal prosecution work, you're in court four times a week. And I just, I couldn't manage that workload um, with the amount of time I had to devote to weightlifting. So I'm hoping as my weightlifting career um, kind of dies down I will be able to transition back into criminal work because that's really where I find the most joy and passion for my work so yeah, yeah I, mean, I just sacrifice in those areas you make a valid point and again I mean you kind of speak my language because of the attorney gig but yeah. um yeah I mean if you want to do both things at a very high level you just don't have enough time yeah um, yeah, especially you know on the criminal side where you don't have the luxury of eternally like controlling your own calendar yeah yeah um, sure. yeah your, your your calendar is a little more restricted than mine in terms of how it works right yeah the judge dictates my calendar yeah exactly and and you have that whole like u.s constitution thing that comes into play once in a while too so yeah, you know, <laughs> you know yeah. whereas yeah mine's a little more flexible than that right but, right so Jess, I think that kind of covers, oh, one, one last thing that I wanted to ask, you know, if, what would you tell, you know, a, a, a beginner lifter or a 10 year old Jess Saxon, you can choose either or both, um, you know, what advice would you give to a younger lifter who's just start, starting out in the sport? Well, I'd be so excited that they were that young and lifting because I wish that I started the sport so young. Um, you know, I'm 32. I started in my twenties and there's so much, I don't know. Um, there's so much technique that I am not proficient at. So, um, I think the moral of the story is that you gotta be in it for years to really be good at it. And it takes a long time. I mean, I've been doing it five years and I just got my first national championship title. And that's probably only because Jordan Delacruz was a 49, you know, I would have never beat her. <laughs> so thank you, Jordan. <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of a little bit, it's a lot of hard work and sacrifice and dedication, but it's kind of a lot of luck too. You know, how the weight classes uh, seem to fall out in times like 
the 55s are really competitive when I first started. And now it seems like the 64s are really competitive right now. And the 49s are really competitive. So it's just kind of luck too. Chance favors the prepared mind, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, if you're, you know, if you're telling a youth lifter, develop your technique, be prepared to spend years working mm -hmm. um, in order to get good at the, at, at the trade. I mean, it's, you know, are you willing to put in the thousands of hours and the thousands of reps that it takes to get really, really good? Thousands and um, thousands. Yeah. And even then, yeah, like you said, it takes luck to actually, yeah, to, to win. And it, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, we have what, 25,000 athletes in USAW and, you know, 20 of y'all get to win national championships on any given year. That's a lot of grinding for, to maybe never see the, to see a podium. A lot of reps, a lot of years for six minutes that may or may not get you the result that you want. So it's about resilience, fortitude, yeah. work ethic, you know, yeah. uh, yeah, so that's yeah. the part too. You know, that's what I love about it. It's a challenge. There's always something to improve upon. Yeah. Uh, you can always lift one more kilo, one more kilo, one more, you know. <laughs> there's all, there's always, you know, it's one of the things that I like about the, like the American Open Series, for example, is it gives um, the uh, above average athlete a nice target mm -hmm. to go be able to compete on a national stage. And right. You know, it's, and so you've got this nice kind of graduated stair steps of like competitions to, to qualify for. And then once you get qualified for like the national championships and you're like, now I'm going to go from the C to the B to the A session. And then there's always that next step until you make, you know, the podium. And if you're one of the elite few that actually ever gets to make that then great. But if not, there's, there's always a goal like kind of in between that you've managed to do and compete at a high level. Right. Um, right. You know, I, I was looking at just thinking about that over the weekend. We just, it, it, from the time of the podcast, we just had the national championships this past weekend. But I was thinking about that. I mean, you know, if you're a C session lifter at the national championships, you're still one of the top 25 lifters in the country. Right. I mean, those yeah. guys are just something to be said. Right. Yeah. But, you know, we get spoiled, you know, particularly me as the, you know, the, as the announcer, as a technical official, I just get spoiled because I, I get to watch the, the, the elite one percent of the of yeah. these uh what's that i said the best of the best yeah get to watch. yeah and you know we we you know we kind of think of the oh yeah it's the c session c session of national championships is still filled with rock stars right right so it's a lot of fun anyway well just um just thanks for joining me this evening and we will uh, be talking a lot over the next you know, 10 weeks and kind of in anticipation of the American Open Series 2 uh, in Albuquerque. Uh, but uh, thanks for joining me tonight. I, I will let you uh, log off and probably get ready for bed here momentarily. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for having me and talking with me, Mark. I'm excited to co-host with you. All right. Thanks.